Hi everyone, my name is Esther. I'm one of the key leaders here at Ebby Church. It's great to have you with us this morning. Um, I'm just going to pray quickly before we start, as we start. Yeah, Father God, thank you that you're here with us. Yeah, Father, will you, will you speak to us? Uh, yeah, will you give us open hearts, open minds to you? Yeah, will you speak to us? Amen. So today we are in our second week in the book of John, which is found in the Bible. And over the next four weeks, we're um, looking at some of the stuff Jesus said and did in the days before his death. And of course, what happened after that. So come back on Easter Sunday. Last Sunday, Est talked about feet specifically Jesus washing his friend's feet and she talked about uh, humility and living out a risky Jesus kind of love and lots more challenging stuff so yeah do check that out if you missed that last week but sometimes we can read the bible and it can seem a bit vague and hard to unpick and one of the things I like about John the guy who wrote the book John um, is that he's pretty clear and straightforward throughout. And in chapter 20, verse 31, right near the end of his book, John tells us why he has taken time to write these specific words and these specific moments with Jesus down. He says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And this is really helpful when we read this book to see it through this lens. John is always looking to point us to Jesus and who he is, the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, the Son of God, and that Jesus is offering us life. There is life for us in everything Jesus says and does, whether that's in washing feet, talking about grapes, dying on a cross, or coming back to life. This book is all about life in and through Jesus. Today, we're taking on grapes, and we're gonna read from John chapter 15, verses one to 17. Um, and we're gonna start by reading just the first verse. So this is verse one, and Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, I don't know what your gardening knowledge and skills are like. Um, if they're pretty ropey, don't worry, so are mine. Um, so my recent trying to grow stuff history involves tomatoes and wild strawberries. And I genuinely tried really hard with both of them. This is what lockdown does to you. The strawberries were a birthday present last year and there were like tiny, tiny seeds a pot and some instructions. I had to um, cover them with cling film, um, spray them with water, and it took a lot of time. And to be honest, it was a little bit of a faff, but eventually, after some help from the gardening expert in my life, my mum, um, some strawberries grew. And they were tiny, but they tasted pretty good. And I'm not gonna lie, I was very proud of myself. 
the tomatoes. So I tied them to sticks so they would grow straight. I even bought a bag of soil so I could move them into bigger pots. And loads, loads of tomatoes grew. And obviously I was pretty chuffed. But then before they turned red, they went brown. All of them. And my gardening experts told me they had blight. They wouldn't recover and I needed to basically throw them out straight away. And I was gutted. I could see all this fruit, but it was useless. So I threw them out and I did what every grown up would do in this situation. I swore I'd never try and grow anything ever again. But in verse one, Jesus describes his father, that's God, as the gardener. Planting, pruning, growing, watering, the whole gardening process takes time. And it's a process that requires patience. It's a, a costly investment. And you have to be really bothered about the thing that you're growing. And you definitely can't garden from a distance. This is who God is and how he is with us. He is our patient, hands-on gardener. And we see this right at the start of the Bible in the book of Genesis, in the picture um, of God creating humans. In chapter 2, verse 7, it says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This, that is about as up close and personal as it gets, isn't it? But the crazy thing that God is the one who actually has access to all the shortcuts. He could click his fingers and make me into the best possible hybrid version of Esther and Jesus. But he chooses the process. Like God is in it for the long haul. He's personal, he's close, he's hands-on, and he's bothered about the thing that he's growing. And that thing is you and me. So let's try and keep this in mind as we read from John 15 and verses one to seven. So Jesus is with his friends and they're on the move as he's saying this, on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane as some of Jesus' darkest times. So John 15, the vine and the branches. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, 
Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And so we're gonna pick out three things from these verses to look at a little bit closer, and they are remain, love, and grapes. And we'll go back to our gardener to end. So first thing, remain. Jesus says the word 11 times in these verses. To remain is something that he asks of us and something he promises to us. Both of those things. Something that he asks of us and something that he promises to us. Jesus says in verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. It's pretty simple, isn't it? We've got one task, to remain. And I think most of us would agree that it makes sense. If we have a relationship with Jesus, we know the best way to do life is to do it with him, to stick close to him. But when I hear Jesus say, remain in me, I kind of get a little bit antsy. And I think that's because I immediately think that remaining means being still, which isn't always easy. And to be honest, I think it, Sounds a little bit boring. But I've read some helpful stuff about what remaining could actually mean that's really helped me in my thinking in this. And credits to Beth Moore and her book, Chasing Vines. This is all about a close two-way relationship with Jesus. When we remain, when we are attached to the person Jesus, this isn't just about being still. When Jesus moves, we move. When he stays, we stay. The thing is, sometimes, or maybe most of the time, we prefer a relationship that is a little more transactional. We're like, you tell me what you want me to do or be Jesus and leave it with me. I'll, I'll crack on and do it. So off we run, we get busy, we leave Jesus behind. And Beth Moore talks about how our relationship with Jesus is about showing and going, which is very different to just telling. So let me try and explain that. So say there's this really cool beach that I love. I can tell you about it, tell you where it is, what the beach looks and feels like. Maybe I tell you a postcode so you can put it into Google Maps and then I wave you off. If I show you this beach, it needs me to come with you. Maybe I drive. I definitely bring snacks for the journey. And I show you how to get there. I show you the best bit of sand with the optimum amount of sun and we enjoy it together. I can't show you something without being present. This is the kind of remaining life to the full relationship with Jesus that he wants and is offering us in John 15. It's walk, walking life with us, step by step. 
And we see this in Jesus' life, don't we? He doesn't just preach at people, tell them how to live. He shows them. He says, come, follow me. And here's a quote from Chasing Vines. Uh, John 15 is about living a naturally unexplainable life, about doing what we can't do on our own, about being who we can't be on our own about living a naturally unexplainable life, about doing what we can't do on our own, about being what we can't be on our own. And this, this gets me a little bit excited because like this is what I signed up for. And it definitely doesn't sound boring, does it? There's time to stay still, there's time to move. Either way, or actually both ways, like we remain. We're stuck fast to Jesus. And as we learn to do this, and it's a lifelong thing to learn, by the way, we, we look more like Jesus. And this will always lead to a life that is all about love. So, that's remain. Let's take on love. And Jesus says the word love nine times in these verses. And maybe, maybe it's not a surprise, but... For Jesus, love is a key part of the re remaining deal we've just talked about. In fact, Jesus goes so far to say that you can't really have one without the other. And actually, that's something that I love about these verses and the three things that we're picking out from them. Remain, love and grapes. They're, they're all interlinked. They flow from and in and out of each other. They need each other. And verse 9 is a big one. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I don't think many of us would question how much God the Father loves his son Jesus. Although the whole death on the cross thing might suggest otherwise, but don't worry, Ben is going to talk about that next week. But God and Jesus, like that's love right there, isn't it? It's a perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, all-in kind of love. And Jesus tells us that he loves us, me and you, with exactly the same love. And because I know me, and no offence, but I know you a little bit too, like sometimes this is a little bit hard to absorb, isn't it? And sometimes we just find it hard to believe. And I think Jesus knows that we might have trouble accepting this. When Jesus says, now remain in my love, I kind of hear this as a gentle but firm affirmation of this crazy, overwhelming truth. Jesus says to us, you are perfectly, unconditionally and sacrificially loved. I am all in with you. Will you trust me and go all in with me? Remain in my love. As always, though with Jesus, this isn't a cosy, comfortable, um, shut the doors and pretend the outside world isn't happening kind of love. This is a roll up your sleeves, wash some feet, get close to people and love them hard command. Blunt and to the point, Jesus says in verse 17, 
This is my command, love each other. And S talked about this last week. Um, Coast talked about it the week before that and kind of makes you wonder if God might be wanting to say something to us, doesn't it? But Coast reminded us that we love because God first loved us. That's 1 John 4 verse 19. And he also said that God's love calls us forward. I love that. God's love calls us forward. This is the life that Jesus demands of his followers. A love that means you lay down your life for your friends. And to be honest, I suspect Jesus' definition of the word friends is quite different, different to the one we might like to use here. On our own, this is impossible. All of this. But if we accept we're crazily loved by God, that Jesus wants to stick close to us and walk through life with us, we become a little more like him. We start to see people like Jesus does. We learn to love like he does. And we might take one step forward and 42 back more than once, but little by little, step by step, we move with Jesus and we grow some grapes. So remain, love. Let's have a little look at grapes. Jesus mentions grapes nine times in our verses. I've done some good counting today, haven't I? Or not, I'm sure you'll let me know. Um, yeah, he says grapes nine times. Well, he actually says fruit, but we know that that's the same thing, isn't it? And Banning Liebscher says in his book, Rooted, Deep inside every follower of Jesus is a desire to have a visible, lasting impact in the world. This, this desire for lasting impact is not our idea, it's God's. In John 15, Jesus announced that he chose us and appointed us to bear fruit. Much fruit. Fruit that lasts. I love this as well. This, this is God's idea. And in our verses, Jesus underlines and highlights that. It's how, and maybe even why God made us, to grow some grapes. Now, we could talk about what our grapes might look like. What does it actually mean to live a fruitful life? Uh, we could also talk about how Often we compare ourselves to others, how we look enviously at someone else's bunch of grapes that look bigger and better than ours. But this, this is the thing today. In John 15, Jesus is speaking to all of us. All of us. This stuff isn't just for the super Christians of this world, the people who have it all together, who have never made any mistakes, if they exist. We are all in, all invited to remain, to love and to bear fruit. And not just, you know, like a small handful of scrawny average grapes, much fruit. And Jesus says this twice. Fruit that will last, fruit that won't go mouldy and needs to be chucked out. And this is Jesus, isn't it? He loves to do stuff with us and through us that is way beyond our own expectations, that is generous and quite often 
just a bit mind-blowing. And this, this is only possible because of him, because of Jesus. And Jesus says in verse uh, 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And I don't know about you, but you might be tempted to write this verse off because of that last bit. Because, like me, you can think of loads of times when you've prayed and asked Jesus to do something and seemingly got nothing or even the opposite. And I'd really recommend um, the prayer course too, which takes on unanswered prayer. And there are no easy answers, but we can't pretend this stuff doesn't happen and we need to wrestle with this. But whatever our experiences are, the fact that we are chosen by Jesus, that he has intentionally and deliberately commissioned us to grow grapes, all of us, that always stands. We're going to end by going back to our gardener and say a little something about pruning. Grapevines need pruning. It has to happen so that the fruit is good quality over quantity. And sometimes pruning can look brutal, but that's when you have to trust that the gardener knows what they're doing. And in my head, I'm picturing my mum doing stuff in our garden that, yeah, I know that she knows what she's doing rather than like me when I get a saw out and just cut stuff for a bit of garden therapy. And I don't know what your experiences are in life, whether you feel like you've been through this process. Uh, maybe you're going through it now. And it can be painful, really, really painful. And sometimes it just doesn't seem to fit with a God who says he loves you. But here's the encouragement that I want to end with. God is never closer to us than he is in this pruning process. He has to hold the branch and carefully remove what's not needed. Like God can't let go when he's cutting back. And he always does this with love and the goal of better and more tasty grapes in mind. So what do we do with this? Um, yeah, there's lots in these verses, isn't there? And and I just want to encourage you to um, take some time over them. Ask God, like, what, what are you saying to me? Um, yeah, through Jesus' words here. And maybe there's some specific things for you to respond to um, around the remaining. Um, yeah, that love and accepting that, yeah, Jesus loves you with that same love that we see between God the Father and Jesus the Son. Yeah, maybe you, maybe you want to be living a more fruitful life, whatever that means. That, yeah, could be anything, couldn't it? But yeah, I just want to encourage you to, to respond. Um, and yeah, do some business with Jesus. Ask him the, the questions. Um, tell him about the things that are, yeah, on your heart right now, that are buzzing around your head. And so I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to pray. And 
maybe a response that we can all do right now is surrender. To, yeah, put our hands out and say, Jesus, I hear this. I hear your words. I'm here. Yeah, just, I surrender. So, yeah, if you want to do that, um, maybe put your hands out now and I'll pray. Yeah, Jesus, thank you for your words that we've read this morning. Yeah, thank you that you are speaking these words to each one of us right here, right now. Yeah, thank you for um, this relationship that we can have with you, where we walk with you and you walk with us. That it's a step by step, doing the whole of life. That yeah, when you go, we go. When you stay, we stay. And thank you for your love for us. That is frankly impossible for our human heads to understand sometimes but yeah thank you that you love us and yeah will you keep showing us how to love other people in the same way and father god we don't just want to be um living a comfortable life yeah father we want you to use us for your good stuff, for your kingdom, in our workplaces, our communities, our church, wherever we do life. Yeah, Father, we help us to trust your promise that we can bear much fruit. Yeah, will you show us how to do that? Will you teach us? Will you keep speaking to us? Yeah, Holy Spirit, will you do your thing? Will you come right now? Amen. So I am going to hand over to Ben and the band who are going to lead us in a song of worship to close. And yeah, as I said before, please do um, keep responding, keep listening to what God might be saying to you and to us in all of this.